You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to episode 84, McChesney Unchained, coming to you from the studio and bar down here at DNVR off of Colfax. Make sure you get down here and watch game four of the NBA Finals this evening. Even though it's the hated Lakers and the Miami Heat, at least the Heat got game three. Uh, so get your butt down here to DNVR and support uh, local Colorado small business and also uh, watch some of the badass games down here at this awesome bar and studio. So we roll from DNVR, episode 84. Uh, we've got a hell of a show for you here today. Uh, Matt Chatham, uh, long-time linebacker, an ex-teammate of mine uh, for the New England Patriots and the New York Jets, uh, will be joining us here uh, as our guest this week to talk about the New England Patriots and everything they've been through, uh, and obviously the game between the Broncos and New England this weekend in Foxborough, 225 on Sunday, Eastern. Uh, we'll also, obviously, round up the NFL as we do every every uh, Tuesday morning and talk about the top games and Try and put a cap on week four, and then you do not want to miss the Unchained rant this afternoon uh, when we get into the end of the show. Uh, it, it's going to be a good one, and and the big guy over here has got to eat a little bit of crow, so caca. Um, <clears throat> episode 84, we roll. The NBA Finals, it's 2-1. The Lakers are up. Game three, I Jimmy Butler was everywhere. It was pretty cool to see. I'd like to see if he can replicate that because that's what's going to get them uh, tied up at two. I truly believe this, and I believed it with the Nuggets. If you go down 3-1 to LeBron, you lose. Uh, and if they go down 3-1, they're going to lose. So we'll see what happens there. Don't want to linger on that for too long. Colorado State releases its schedule. Air Force released its schedule and then also played a game Saturday in some of the coolest uniforms I've ever seen. Uh, and CU released its schedule. So CSU opens with New Mexico. They've got a, an eight-game Mountain West schedule. Pretty cool. Air Force has got nine game or ten games because they get to play Army and Navy. Uh, so they, they almost get a full schedule down at the Air Force Academy, and they did a really good job beating up the Naval Academy down there on Saturday. Navy had played two games, and Air Force had played none, and Air Force looked really, really good. They looked damn physical, and they've got a left guard, number 66, down there who was a pro prospect. That kid was killing people on Saturday. And then CU has a seven-game Pac-12 schedule, so – the Mountain West is playing more games than the Pac-12. I just want everybody to think about that for a second. The Mountain West is playing more games than the Pac-Damn-12. So, I, I mean, I, I despise the Pac-12 on a cellular level. I'm a Big 12 guy, but uh, I guess it is what it is. So maybe we'll get six games this year and, and hopefully a seventh. You never know. You only need three to go to a bowl game. And this has not been announced yet, but a little bit of news here on McChesney Unchained also None of these kids are going to lose eligibility. So anybody and everybody can come back next year and not lose any eligibility, which means the class of 2022 is going to be about as minuscule as humanly possible when it comes to scholarships. I hope you've been working, high schoolers. Just saying. All right, we move forward. College football craziness. Oklahoma loses. They're out of the top 25. Hell of a job, Iowa State. Uh, <clears throat> TCU takes down Texas again, 7-2 since they entered the Big 12 Way to go, TCU. Anytime Texas and Oklahoma lose, it's a good weekend. 
And then I got to call out my boy Scott Hastings because I heard him say last week about 10 times that he would take Mississippi State by 50 against Arkansas, and there's no way they would win. Well, pig suey, buddy. I mean, your, your, your hogs come through, and they beat Mississippi State ranked at, at Mississippi State 21-14 and shut down the air raid. And the team that looked like they're world beaters against LSU couldn't beat the worst team in the SEC. Maybe Arkansas might be turning it around. So congratulations to the Hogs down there in Arkansas land. And Scott Hastings, I know you were doing jumping jacks. Don't, don't lie to me. All right, so let's get into this. The NFL Week 4. Pittsburgh and Tennessee was postponed, and that, was, that looked like it was going to be a kick-ass game. But it's okay. If it's a doubleheader on Monday night, I'll take it. Um, Kansas City, New England, and Green Bay and uh, Atlanta played last night. And I dug that. I, I really thought that the doubleheader on Monday night, maybe they should start doing that once a month or something and give us a doubleheader because it it puts premier games in front of everybody rather than trying to find it on red zone or ticket or whatever you have. Uh, and, and honestly, you know, New England and Kansas City was a really good game. I know a lot of folks were discouraged by the lack of offense, but I actually liked seeing a little bit of defense for three quarters. Uh, Mahomes figured out Belichick at the end of the game, but he was helped by a pick six and some, you know, Brian Hoyer just looking like I could have sworn Brian Hoyer was supposed to be the smart guy that made good plays and knew the system because he was real dumb and didn't look like he knew anything. And he had, the system was definitely screwing him over when he was inside the 20, if that's the way he thinks. Uh, but Jared Stidham stepped in and threw a, a rope for a touchdown and looked pretty good. Very interested to see what the Patriots are going to look like and interested to hear what Matt Chatham, who is interwoven into the the apex of that team up there in Foxborough, uh, has to say about Cam Newton coming back. A lot of folks talking about Jared Stenham against Rippon. Uh, Newton's only got a test or a negative twice, and he's asymptomatic and feels good. So I would say Cam Newton's probably playing Sunday if I had to guess. Green Bay, the other 4-0 team uh, on Monday Night Football after their dismantling of Atlanta. Uh, you know, a lot of people call for Dan Quinn's job. I personally don't think he should lose his job, uh, but there are some players that should. Uh, I didn't see a lot of effort last night from Atlanta, and maybe that goes back to the coach, but this guy was seven minutes away from winning the world title, and since that mark in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, his team has sucked. So that something's got to happen, but Dan Quinn's a hell of a football coach, Some a guy that I would love to play for. He's going to be a good D.C. wherever he ends up going after Atlanta fires him. Um, Green Bay's the real deal, and I wonder what Green Bay would look like with a first-round wide receiver and like a first-round pass rusher or a first-round corner instead of taking a backup quarterback that's third string in love. And no wonder Aaron Rodgers isn't feeling any pressure. Jordan Love can't read a defense to save his life. I mean, period. I mean, the, the guy's really struggling. He's third string, so obviously they're best friends. Um, it looks like a bad pick at this point or a wasted pick, a guy who's just going to sit there and develop, and that's fine if your team's that good. Uh, but I guarantee you that as they get later in the season, if somebody goes down and they have a hole, that first or second round pick when you go quarterback and then running back with Dillard from Boston College when you have uh, the, the badass back they have there already, it, I guess, I guess Rodgers and Jones, the quarterback and the, and the running back up there, they're motivated for a reason. And uh, it, they can say that it's not because of the draft picks all they want. But look, that, that's what motivates you in the NFL, the – the, uh, the fear of losing your job is extremely motivating, to say the least. All right, moving forward. Tampa Bay hosts the Chargers. Uh, the two things, two, two, three things here, okay? Number one, Tampa Bay is real. 
All right, anybody who thinks that they're not, you're simply doing that on bias for Brady because he went five touchdowns, one pick, came back from a deficit, had total control of the offense, and they're just going to get better. And that offensive line looks a lot better with Tom Brady running the show than, than Jameis Winston, shockingly, I know, a guy who can call out protections. Uh, and it, it, once the timing gets down with his receivers, they lost O.J. Howard, but that's just more opportunity for Gronk and Blythe. I think Tampa Bay is probably going to win the South, you know. So it's that that is going to be a really tough out in the NFC. Now, Justin Herbert, I know he's 0 3 and three starts, but two of those starts are an overtime loss to Kansas City, where arguably they should have won. And then yesterday he was up by 14 on Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay and came back. Every time Tom Brady came back and threw a haymaker at him, he came back and threw a haymaker at Tom. So. It looks to me that the young quarterback in, in L.A. Uh, repping that Charger gear, Justin Herbert, might be the real deal. And you know what? Good for them, man. They just keep hitting on quarterbacks. They go from Rivers to Herbert. That's pretty hard to do. You don't want to usually be the guy replacing the guy, i.e. Paxton Lynch or Simeon or Flacco or God knows who else has started for quarterback here for the Denver Broncos. So I think the Chargers are on the right path. They're probably a year away from being really competitive, but they're a one and three football team too. And I don't hear all the doom and gloom there because they're pretty damn competitive in every game. Colts and Bears, two good defenses squaring off, low scoring game. Nick Foles, if he's not coming off the bench, just is not the same guy. Or maybe the Colts did that to him. I guess we'll find out on Thursday night when they play the Bucks. Uh, when it bucks bears, that's going to be a good one on Thursday, two winning winning teams at least. The Colts are – no one's talking about the Colts, but their defense is real. They fly around. Their offensive line, they've had the same 20 starters or the same five starter for 21 starts straight. They've invested a ton of draft capital in their in their offensive line from Quentin Nelson to uh, the kid, uh, the kid, the right tackle, uh, Bates from uh, Auburn to Costanzo, the left tackle. They just keep – Pumping out draft picks. Ryan Kelly's a first-rounder from Alabama, their center. So Rivers is doing a really good job back there orchestrating, and he is the least-hit quarterback in the National Football League right now, and that's a tribute to Frank Wright and that offensive line and their play-action scheme. And even losing Marlon Mack, it seems like they haven't lost a step. So the Colts are going to be a tough out once they get into the playoffs. I'm very eager to see them play some of that top AFC competition as we move forward. And then lastly, uh, two games. The Bills and the Raiders, and I just want to comment on Josh Allen. Again, I'm going to say this. It's, it's amazing to me that John Elway didn't see more of himself in Josh Allen and pick that kid because he would – imagine Josh Allen running the deep offense in, in uh, Denver right now for the Broncos. Just I, I know Drew Locke is the guy and all that or Rippon or whoever this week, but that kid has really turned a corner, and he's done it in a place that nobody wants to go play anymore. Uh, and the last guy that bought into that, his name was Jim Kelly, and things turned out to be pretty good for him. So Josh Allen bought into Buffalo, and Buffalo bought into him, and they're 4-0 and rolling. Uh, the Raiders are 2-2, two and two and they have the Chiefs this week. Um, and then lastly, the, the, the demolition of the Cowboys in Dallas on Sunday. Man, the, the Browns, Baker Mayfield went 160 yards passing, and he looked like Joe Montana. And they put up a 307 yards rushing, 307 yards rushing in one game against the Cowboys. And uh, I thought it was an absolute ass beating. 
And I think Mike McCarthy should probably be on the hot seat right now, too, for his job. That is atrocious. I don't care if you're the head coach or the defensive coordinator. You've got to take some responsibility for 40 points three weeks in a row. I mean, how do you expect your offense to win like that? Dak Prescott is putting up monumental numbers. He threw for 450 again. And the the most passing yards through the first, first month of the season ever, and they're still – dragging ass and one and three and looking up at the Eagles in the East uh, who got a huge win on Sunday night in San Francisco. Good stuff, Allie. And, uh, and I, I don't know. I think the NFC might be a little bit of a toss-up except for the Packers and, and the, the Seahawks. So I guess we'll see. Uh, but the Cowboys got to figure this out. And the Browns, are the Browns real? I, am I, I mean, I look at their team and all I see is ballers everywhere. Landry, OBJ, they got a great offensive line. They went and got that Conklin kid from Tennessee. Baker Mayfield was threading them on Sunday. They lost Nick Chubb, but they've got dudes. They pulled out three other guys who went for 307. Miles Garrett looked like he wanted another contract the way he was playing on Sunday. Just fired up. So if they can patch up some of these holes or maybe they don't have to play the Cowboys every week. The, the the Browns might be real. And if I'm in Kansas City, I'm going, wow, they scored 49. They could probably get 30 against the Chiefs. So that, that might end up being a hell of a playoff game uh, if it comes down the road. So we shall see. All right, so that wraps up week number four as we uh, move into the Broncos and the Patriots and a great interview with Matt Chatham. And it's my honor and pleasure to bring in my ex-teammate and a guy I looked up to for a lot of years in the National Football League. Won three Super Bowls with the New England Patriots and ended his career with the New York Jets when we were there together, Mr. Matt Chatham. And you can hear Matt each and every day at the New England Sports Network as he breaks down the New England Patriots and follow him at on Twitter at Chatham58, that's C-H-A-T-H-A-M-5-8. He's a great follow and he's interwoven into the uh, the inner workings of both Bill Belichick and how that man thinks, and then also the Patriots and, and their winning ways. So it's great to have Matt on the show. Welcome to episode 84, brother. How the hell are you? Doing all right, Matt. It's good to have a little uh, little Denver talk, too, because uh, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, back when we were playing with the Jets, I had a place out in Keystone, and uh, my uh, family, uh, my wife's side of the family, DU people, so they all live downtown there. They're all Broncos fans, so nice. every Christmas we, we, we send a little piece of Patriots paraphernalia just to kind of fuck with them a little bit. Nice, it's, nice, it's, nice. It, They've become fans of both, so it's uh, a weird sort of worlds colliding here. Well, it's definitely worlds colliding. They don't they they hate the Patriots here. In Denver. <laughs> There's do. No doubt, bro. They I mean, they, they despise New England in this city. Uh, but before we get to New England and the Broncos, <laughs> moving forward into Sunday, kickoffs at two twenty-five at the Big Razor Gillette. Um, both Matt and I played for the Jets, and I started my career there, and he ended his career there, and and. Uh, Matt, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a more inept, awful, just misled, right. mismanaged mess that's going on in New York right now. Give me your opinion of the Jets real quick, and we'll wrap up last week and move into the Patriots. So I just don't recognize it. So, I mean, you, you, I came in, like you said, I sort of was on the way out on your, on your way in. So we just overlapped by a few years there. But, you know, so in my, my particular situation, I'm, what, almost – 11 years removed now from playing there uh, I, I don't think i know but like a couple guys in the building john melody you know trainer that's about the trainer is like the only dude i know still <laughs> i mean that's it that's everyone's it. gone yeah so it's just it's like the logos and the building and the, and the head trainer that's, that's well, the logo's that's not even the same they, they adopted <laughs> right. the 1980s version of the jets yeah. and no wonder they suck 
exactly. So I think in part that's that makes it a little easier, I guess, emotionally to sort of detach from it because uh, you know it, when you played with guys or you have guys in the front office or even some of the front office staff that you like, they're just you know good dudes, good people. <laughs> kind of feel for them that they're going through this mess. You know There's who no I feel mess. for the worst? <laughs> I know you followed D Wood on on Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Damian Woody. I mean, yeah, yeah. bro, every Sunday. It's, all I do is just watch his feed, and I'm like, damn, Wood, you are angry. <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine living in that market. It's terrible. I mean, it's just terrible. What he's a BC kid, what he went to play to Detroit, played with us, and then lives in New, New York. York. So he's getting it from all sides, right? But, I no, I mean, I, I, it's just – it's a mess, dude. I don't know how else to say it. And I think in part, when I'm working in the market that I work in, we cover the heck out of the AFC East, obviously. And that gaze hiring was just so – head scratcher it's like it was almost like one of those ones where it's like you could basically write the story when you found out what happened this is going to have about an 18 month run to it there'll be a good or you know this will be a good weekend or two throughout the course of it but it's gonna end badly i don't i don't know who didn't see that well from internally there in new york for a long time in the nfl and i know you know this because you were in new england that whole time you guys had that unbelievable rivalry with the colts and peyton manning and tony dungy but it, for a long time, and I, it's, it's finally stopping. I think Gase is the last one. For a long time, it's been, did you, oh, you, you, you coach Peyton Manning? Oh, my God, you're the head coach. You're, you're the head coach. Everyone else, shut up. I want him. And I don't think that that's going to happen anymore. Uh, right. With Bill O'Brien losing his job in Houston and <laughs> the way that I know he's MFing everybody on his way out of the door. <laughs> screw right. you, screw you, screw you. Uh, but – Look, the, the Jets are a mess, and I wanted to bring them up because for as inconsistent and as a mess as they have been for so long, yeah. the opponent for the Denver Broncos this week, brother, you've got three of those rings sitting in your trophy case. What is it about New England that every single Sunday we're going to get a competitive game and a yeah. chance to win? And that's last night against the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. They had a chance to win if Brian Hoyer could figure out how to either spike the ball, take a knee, not not take a sack in the red zone, and not throw picks. They're they're up 13, 17 points in that game. So right. what is it about New England as we move into Denver, New England on Sunday, Matt, in your opinion, that keeps them rolling like this? This is it's insane. I think the excellence sort of outlives the, the staff, and that's something that I've always been kind of uh, – I guess, surprised with, you know, Dante Scarnecchia, you're an O-line guy. Dante Scarnecchia, we have Bill Callahan down there in New York. Bill was one of the really good ones. Dante is one of sort of a legendary kind of guy at that. And there was a lot of trepidation here. I mean, Scar was one of the longest tenured coaches, period, left in the NFL when he finally decided to retire. And, you know, when he's kind of the known dude, and O-line's always been sort of a strength of that organization. And he's gone, and a lot of locally, it's like, what's going to happen? Are they going to be consistent? They're going to be all right. They've got a couple of young faces they got to pop in there. And and they've been excellent. Like, it's, it, there hasn't been the fall off. And I think in part, that's because Bill is the coach. You know, Bill, Bill really has his finger on just about everything in the building. And I think that kind of helps to keep there from being fall off. You can do that with the OCs. You can do that for Charlie Weiss to Bill to Josh. And really, when the changes happen, they adjust in part because I think Bill's so flexible himself. I mean, last night they were starting a backup quarterback, a backup running back, two backup offensive linemen, two kids that are undrafted rookie free agents, the right, the right guard, right tackle. They have a backup tight end on the field. Their entire defense is a bunch of no-name guys. And at one point in that game, I was like, they are whipping Kansas City's ass. They are out scheming them. I mean, they're confusing Mahomes. There were two or three dropped interceptions. So if I'm Belichick, I'm looking at that and going, we can play with anybody. And, and I guess this is my question. 
do you I, do you think that even when Bill leaves, he's been around that place for so long? There's just not another way to do things because I, I I foresee McDaniel's taking over for Billichek. I think that's yeah. what he's waiting for, and I don't see a whole lot changing when Josh takes over. I, I was here with Josh when he was in Denver, and it was like baby Bill, the same the same <laughs> twirl of the whistle, the same hoodie, the same. Yeah, yeah we don't need you. Oh, you're too much money. You're cut. I mean, just <laughs> the, the same the same mindset. What do you think about that? So the, the difficulty that guys get into when they do that, I, I, I kind of felt the same about Eric, you know, when we were, when we were down there in New York, I had, uh, you know, I came down his, his first year as head coach was my first year, my, well, my second free agent contract, but my years that I came down with him. And I just recall getting, um, we always had this thing with you knowing we called the red sheet and it was basically every itinerary. So every meeting that was coming up every morning in your locker, you got the red sheet. So your, your game book for the week it was the red, the red sheet. I got to New York and Eric, you know, has his opening press conference thing comes the first team meeting and it's a green sheet. He literally just paint, he changed the stock paper. It was the same damn sheet. (laughs) So, I I mean, but again, obviously he didn't have the same success. And I think the difficulty can often be, uh, it's a different brain. That's the administrator. It's a different brain that can, can really walk into a DB room and critique the hell out of them, really know what he's talking about, and then to walk over and deal with the nose tackles. Be like, hey, guys, you know, like, yeah, that's that's lunacy. Then pop into another room, work with the analytics guys and know what he's talking about, and then go into another room into college scouting. He's on top of that. And then back here, now he's doing you now he's doing sort of the, the cap management portion of it. And these are all different hats you got to wear. And I think I think that's the reason it's going to be really difficult with Bill Lee's because Josh is a tremendous offensive coach. I have no idea how he does that particular job. No one does. Hey, you, you bring up a good point, too. I've just last night watching Billichek and Andy Reid dice out at, during the game and all the adjustments and just all the notes Bill was taking and all the notes Andy was taking and then <laughs> Eric Bieniemy in the middle. And I think EB is going to be – I know EB really well being a Colorado mm-hmm. guy and – Yep. He's one of my coaches there when I was in college, and I really oh, hope wow. he gets that Houston job. And and yeah. look, there's very few great coaches, and and I you know I played for Herm and Mangini and Tony Sperano and McDaniel's. You got to you got to play with for the best head coach in the history of football, in my opinion. Yeah. And and really, that's the next part of this is the way he had the Patriots prepared to go in and deal with Kansas City a day late, a quarterback short a running back short, a tackle on a guard short. I mean, the only starter on the damn old line last night, last night was two and a, so, and they looked pretty good for three quarters. So number one, do you, do you foresee cam playing Sunday because he only needs two negatives like we already spoke about and, and he's asymptomatic and feels good. And then number two, do you think that the Broncos thinking that they're not going to play Cam because this is the narrative in Denver right now. Cam's not going to play. We're going to have a shot. Stidham against Rippon. Belichick can only do so much with a no-name defense. Kansas City put up 26, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting here like, man, y'all are crazy. You are <laughs> sipping the one the, – we just beat New York on Thursday Night Football and look kind of good doing it, Juice. The, right. the Jets and the Patriots are not the same monster. Yeah, Matty, I think one of the things that will be difficult, uh, and I'm probably almost of the mind where if it's close with Cam, I think they're more concerned about his full season. And, uh, you know, he's got to be full days clear. He's got to have two days in a row of the negative tests and I, or excuse me, not the non-positive test stuff. And the terrifying part, quite frankly, for this market, and I think it's something the Denver market should be watching pretty closely, uh, because Cam's was a Friday night positive test, uh, that five-day sort of uh, – 
hibernation in your body. Incubation you, period. Yeah, incubation. I, I was, I was going to go with any one of the nations. Hibernation, uh, incubation. <laughs> no, hibernation, incubation. Masturbation. Gestation. <laughs> yeah, we're going to all the nations. <laughs> but because that's a very real thing, I think we've seen that in politics in the last week. And it, it kind of freaks you out if you're a player. You came back on that plane. You're with all the same people. You know you put a couple of good tests out in a row. You should feel kind of safe. But it's got to be a little weird for guys going back to your family when you get off that flight, kind of, sort of not knowing, especially if you rode out on one of the sick planes. They came out in two planes, guys that had, had contact and guys that hadn't. So if I'm a Denver watcher, yeah, the camp thing is a big piece of news, but you got to get through the Wednesday news cycle, really, because then you're clear from Friday to where guys are legitimately not have. You know, if you have those three or four names pop up, then it's like, okay, you know, this is a whole different situation than you're what we were talking discussing. about canceling games, yeah. I mean, Tennessee is postponing games because they have 20 positive tests, whereas, you know, hell, they played the Vikings. The Vikings didn't have any. The Patriots only had one. So, you know, I'm I'm no doctor, thank God. Uh, But (laughs) but I'll tell you, I, I think I'm more worried about the sickness than I am guys missing games. Right, Uh, right. But I will say this. The, all the all the Denver fans and everybody that's beating the Bronco drum that are saying if we're going to get Stidham against Rippon or whatever, right? I I personally think, and I need to know your opinion on this before we get you out of here. I personally think that Cam not playing hurts the Broncos immensely, especially if he can because it's not an injury. It's not as if he's out of shape. He didn't have pneumonia. He feels fine. He's asymptomatic, right. and when he's on the field. The play-action game and the ability to go 11-on-11 with the quarterback run, I, Josh McDaniels and Bilicek have bought into it wholeheartedly, and I love it. Right. It's the way I think football should be played. And, you know, the ability for them to go chameleon from Tom Brady to Cam Newton and just keep winning and keep <laughs> putting up numbers is nuts to me. I've never seen anything like right. it before in my life. So just just talk about the the inability to study what McDaniels has in store for a team he hates. And he, right. and when I say hates, I mean Josh McDaniels won't hesitate to put half a hundred on the Broncos and walk yeah. out with a smile on his face. And I bet you he was like, "Oh well, get Cam back this week, and we can really, right. really throw the kitchen sink at these sons of bitches." What do you think? Well, surface of the sun hate, I would imagine. I mean, I, I can understand. <laughs> I can, see, I can, I can understand that though in, in this in this vein. So imagine if you get to a scenario, Maddie, like what you say, where they've got Cam technically available, but doesn't get the full week of practice in. Right. I think just from the, the 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 standpoint of watching them and trying to figure out what the heck's going to happen, almost forcing you, especially if Cam say a non-participant on a Wednesday or a non-participant on a Thursday. But then have he dresses Friday, and he dresses Friday. You got to yeah. study both, right? You got to spend a couple of days of practice. That's all the cards two offenses. Yeah, it's two very distinct offenses. And, it's and two honestly, different schemes. Even even putting that aside for a second, you've got three games on film prior to tonight with Cam. The first game uh, against the Dolphins, he rushed 15 times. Uh, the final, the last time he played against the Raiders, he actually was basically under center, the eye backs behind him, regular old pro slot kind of stuff, and and didn't have much of the you know sort of the read option stuff. It wasn't in pistol, wasn't a gun much. So they've done it really both ways, even when Cam's there. So then when he's not. You've got another dramatically different thing in Stidham, and he's got a bit of an interception issue, but he had some upside and promise. So it'd be a wild preparation. Let's put it that way. I just think you kind of have to hedge. You're going to have to at least do some periods where you spend some time on the camp stuff. It might just come down to more third down stuff, pocket control, you know, working on not letting him get away and take the freebies. But the scan, the, the scheme specific stuff for camp, 
I, well, let's put it this way also. It's not just the, it's not just the Broncos are going to struggle with this because the Patriots are getting a guy who's coming off a of sickness. We're not going to get public information about how bad the sickness That's right. is. Yep. But he could be beat up. I mean, he may get the, you know, he may get your positive, you're done with the positives, you get your two days. How's he feel? Well, he's you know, asymptomatic. I mean, he, 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 well, he's completely asymptomatic. That's what they say. That's what they say. And you never know what a guy like, <laughs> Never you know, know with Bill Belichick. Yeah, you never know about anyone. No, no one. Everyone that gets this thing tends to say they're 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 handling it okay, right? So I would just, I would, I would be a little concerned as an organization of throwing him back in there unless he gets several days post, you know, thing. But we'll see. And you, you have been trained correctly, <laughs> brother. I'll tell you, they got there. There's Belichick still in the back, like, don't say anything stupid, Chatham. <laughs> don't give him the information, Matt. Uh, but look, man, I, I, I think that. The Cam Newton I saw against Seattle was the like the perfect modern day quarterback, right? Where he's you know he's eleven on eleven running the football. He's big shots down the field and and on target. And I, I don't know. I think I think that Josh and Bill all those years with Tom and him being a statue and as good as he was and what he's doing in Tampa is nuts. He was unbelievable on Sunday. But I think that they're having a lot of fun with Cam Newton. So, I don't know. I really hope that guy plays Sunday. I want to beat the Patriots at their best. I don't want to beat them with the third-string quarterback, especially with Denver's yeah. third-string quarterback. So, we'll see how right. that goes. Uh, <clears throat> Matt, before we get you out of here, uh, let, let me let, – let's see how you see this unraveling on Sunday. How do you think Patriots-Broncos right. is going to go? And then we'll get you out of here. Speaking with Matt Chatham, uh, the New England Sports Network. Make sure you check him out there. And then also on Twitter, at Chatham58. Uh, next teammate of mine, a guy with three Super Bowl rings and a lot of uh, a, a lot of days played at that linebacker position. So, give me your outlook on Broncos Patriots, and we'll get you out of here. So, Matt, you you have to actually give me something before I give you an answer because I haven't sure. started Den I haven't started Denver study. How's yeah, how's sure. the Denver how's the Denver defense been on the ground as far as run defense? They, they've been good, not great. They're susceptible to play action. Um, Losing Von Miller doesn't hurt, but it's not as if he's a he's not an A plus run defender either. I think Chubb's a better run defender. Malik Reed is a is a good run defender because he's slow on the way to the quarterback, so he's going to fall into some stuff. Um, I love Purcell. They just extended him this morning, and that kid can play. And he was he was eating people up on on Thursday night. Um, I, I think that Denver is great against the run when they know it's coming, but when you hit it when you hit them with all those different screens and draws and. New England ran the same screenplay out of like seven different formations or something. <laughs> so that that's what's going to screw with the Broncos people is, you know, the, the ability to not get all the window dressing and motions and screen game and draws and all the different right. formations and personnel groupings are going to hit. Uh, New England's going to hit them with is they're just running the same play over and over again. They're running Sarah Sally Power. They're running Crease and Alley Screen. They're running four and three man Ray and and, and Lee protections. Roger and Louie. It's it's the same stuff. It's just a matter of Dressing. of identifying it. Yeah, that that the the power pass that they're known for, where they pull the backside guard and seal the protection yeah, off up. the other way. They got to know that's coming based on single back power. So I, I would I would foresee them doing well for about a half. But then when they when New England goes in and adjusts at halftime, they've been a different team all year at, in the second half. So I'd foresee McDaniel's picking up on what you know they're they're putting down over here defensively in Denver and exploiting that in the second half. I, I don't see Denver winning this game. I would just say as a fan of that team, prepare for a style. You know there might be a lot of three and outs either both you know both sides, 
there's going to be a, there's going to be an attempt by the Patriots to dominate time of possession. They're going to be slow on the play clock. They're going to they're going to run it. Uh, they're going to be the decent amount of shifts and motions. So you're going to get everything down with inside six seconds. Ideally, if you've got other things going on that day, you could maybe make some plans for at about the two and a half hour mark. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> because could go the, quick. The goal the goal is not to, to throw it forty five times. It run really the football. Yeah, run the football and uh, even run on pass plays, which is you know, which also shortens the game. So I think that's obviously their their sort of modus operandi here. They want to make sure that the game doesn't you know it doesn't end up being a fifty five pass attempt day. Uh, they don't want to give a lot of extra chances and they don't want to give a big plays. So they're going to let you. They're going to see some of the short stuff and then that keeps the clock moving as well. Right. So I think as much as anything, the ideal Patriots game. Say even without Cam, you win twenty six to sixteen and you're thrilled. You got Cam, you throw an extra score on the end of it. But I think they really are going to get into ugly style football that's just what's going to be like this year well that'll be my kind of game ugly football is the way i like it <laughs> mr matt chatham joining us here on mcchesney unchained episode 84 from dnvr studio down here off of colfax uh matt thank you so much for coming on the show matt is uh the voice of the new england sports network for the new england patriots make sure you check him out at chatham 58 for his twitter page mc you keep killing it out there and go broncos i hope we get in that ass this weekend and that's <laughs> yeah thanks brother take care <laughs> good to see you Great interview with Matt Chatham, three-time Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots, uh, a guy who taught me an awful lot about special teams and leadership when I was with the Jets when I moved positions and took me under his wing a little bit and told me the way that guys like Belichick and Mangini think. So uh, always great to have my boy Matt on the show and, and talk shop. And if anybody knows anything about New England, it's him. So let's get into this, Broncos Patriots. Um, before we get into the Unchained rant, and it's something you do not want to miss, so stay tuned to the end of the show. Um, the turning point is going to focus on the Jets, and it's going to focus on four great plays and a lot of ripping. Uh, there's a lot of stuff the Broncos need to fix, but again, coming off of a win and the way they did it, it's it's a lot easier to fix it with a little bit of positivity in the room than being 0-4, because 0-4, you're talking about firing people, not how we beat New England. So, getting a W is paramount, and they did that. Uh, was it ugly? Yeah, it was ugly. There was a lot of missed tackles and, you know, missed opportunities and bad throws into triple coverage for six points and stuff of that nature. But a win is a win. And the effort I saw was outstanding by that football team on Thursday night. They played hard. The end of the game when the Jets tried to get all cheap, and they did it all night. Greg Williams is their defensive coordinator. They're going to be dirty. Um, you know, it was go good to see Garrett Bull step up and defend his teammates and get pissed off about it. That's what he's there for, especially if he's not getting penalties, which he hasn't been. Um, it seems to me that the football team is came together on, on Thursday night in the, in the second half, especially when they blew the lead, they were up 11 and then they blow that lead and they're down one or two. And that's when you got to reach down and figure out if, you know, you, you got to set between your legs or not. And, and the Broncos had, they got, they had a set Thursday night, they came back and that's a good thing because in past years, that's what the kind of game they would have squandered. And that that's the Colt game last year. That's the the Bears game at home last year. The the Jacksonville game last year. The damn Houston, the Tennessee game this year. I mean, squandered opportunities to win football games is what Vic Fangio and the Denver Broncos do. So it was good to see them overcome that, even if it is against the worst football team I've ever seen line up in my entire life. Um, being an ex-Jet, it's hard to say that, but <laughs> they were never any good anyway. We were 4-12 and when I was a rookie. Ten and six my second year, and then four and twelve again my third year. It's not like they're consistent; they suck. So you should beat the shit out of them. 
It's good to see the Broncos' young guys step up and play well. Uh, I mentioned in the interview with Matt Chatham uh, that Mike Purcell was extended, and it's a hometown kid from Highlands Ranch High School. Played at Wyoming, should have been in Boulder. That's not that's the kind of guy that CU misses constantly. They've only missed about thirty of them in my time in the last two years. Don't worry, they're still screwing it up. Um, but Purcell gets extended by the Broncos. He's the kind of guy you want to build around, and and you can see that. I mean, he's been a Fangio guy for a long time. He's got he's gotten cut by six different teams, and he just keeps going back to work. And I respect that. I got cut fourteen times in seven years, and the doctors had to tell me to hang it up or I'd be in a wheelchair. And I didn't really feel like going to a wheelchair race, so I had to hang it up. Um, it's good to see Mike extended. They need to build around that cat, and they need to let him start. In the, in the interior of that line until the day he leaves the Denver Broncos. Uh, hopefully when his contract is up, if they don't extend him again. They need to extend Shelby Harris. Why wait? Get that done too. The interior of the defensive line isn't the problem. The defensive line isn't the problem. Uh, the problem is just overwhelming injuries. I'd love to see what this team looks like healthy because I think they could be kind of scary. Um, Jerry Judy is going to be a thousand yard receiver. I don't see how that doesn't happen. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for 12, 1300 uh, and makes the Pro Bowl as a rookie, especially as the year goes on. Tim Patrick is going to step in for Cortland Sutton, and pretty much everybody's going to understand that they don't need Sutton. But it sure is good to have him next year when you've got a three or four headed monster at receiver because somebody got hurt and somebody else had to play. That's how you add depth. Uh, Fant and his high ankle, his. Not very bad high ankle sprain. I don't know what that means because high ankle sprains are terrible, even if they're minimal. Um, I hope that it's not very bad. But if I'm, again, if I'm Coach Vic, I'm walking over to Noah Fant and slapping him and saying, bro, can you not tell the whole world that your ankle isn't that hurt? We're playing the Patriots this week. This is not information 30. Just get on the, the, the injury report and shut up. Stop telling the media everything. If you're not that hurt, let them think you're not going to play all week and then go out there and torch them so they don't prepare for you. Don't just tell them that you feel good and you're probably going to play Sunday. Come on, dude. Play the game. You're playing Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. You are not playing the Jets this weekend. So, that said... As we move into Broncos Jets, I, I think, or Broncos Patriots, and move away from Broncos Jets, I'm very eager to see what happens on Wednesday and Thursday of this week with with COVID testing and things of that nature. Are are everybody that came back from Kansas City is everybody going to test negative? The incubation period, is it going to be something that bites New England in the ass and then consequently bites the Broncos in the ass and they can't play the game? Is it going to get moved to Monday night? Yada, yada, yada. I know they're preparing for Sunday, but all I keep hearing in the National Football League is be prepared to be flexible. And it's happened to several teams. It happened to the Chiefs and the Patriots last night. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if they play again on Monday night next week if they need to. Um, but Cam Newton is asymptomatic from what I gather from the media. And healthy and waiting to test negative or not positive or however they do that and move forward. So the Broncos have to get ready for two different offensive systems. They have to get ready for an 11 on 11 Cam Newton running the ball, major play action, you know, almost a college based offense with a lot of motion. And then they have to get ready for a 21, 12 personnel tied in motion, you know, heavy play action pro style uh, running attack. So the Patriots are going to try and control the line of scrimmage and control the time of possession and not turn the ball over and then force Denver into turnovers. Uh, a lot of rumors, you know, that Drew Locke's going to be healthy. Do not serve him up first game back to Bill Belichick kind of healthy unless you don't like him. 
If you stick his ass out there this weekend and he's kind of healthy coming off of a, a week where you can't really get prepared for New England because they do something different against everybody every week and they're not going to prepare for Denver the same way they prepare for Kansas City. So the, the tape is almost null and void, especially for Drew Locke coming off of three weeks without playing. I think that you're setting him up for absolute and total failure. Let rip and roll. See if he's going to be your backup quarterback moving forward. Don't play the kid like you did Brandon Allen last year just to let him go somewhere else and be their backup like Allen did with Washington. Keep ripping around and make sure that he's your backup moving forward and have two quarterbacks on the roster. It's not a bad thing, Mr. Elway. But do not put Drew Locke back out there just to get served up, uh, especially with a leaky offensive line. All except the left tackle, which is pretty cool, I have to say. Um it's, it's kind of nice not having to go super negative every single time we do a radio show about one particular dude. It's not something I enjoyed. In fact, I hated it. Um, <clears throat> it's good to see him improving. So I, I guess we'll just get straight into this. The Unchained Rant uh, is something that is, is close to the heart on this one because I've been really, really hard on this cat. And... Uh, I always end the, the conversation with Garrett Bowles with, I think he has the potential to be really, really good, but he's got to get his head squared on. And I don't know what he did. I don't know if he was Zoom calls with Munchak and Cooper every day doing reps in the basement during COVID shutdown or whatever, or if he just decided to stop beating himself and start studying the position and start stop being so hard on himself all the time and just let the game flow and just play. I think that's it. I think he just stopped caring. And to be completely honest with you, when I stopped caring uh, about what the, the re- if it was a good or bad rep, or I stopped caring about what was going on in the media or whatever, I never had the kind of media scrutiny Garrett goes through. I, I became a pretty damn good football player. And it seems to me that Garrett doesn't care anymore. And because he doesn't care, he has freedom. And he has the freedom to play. And the, the coaches are behind him. And I am so glad I'm saying this right now, but Garrett Bowles is playing at a, at a Pro Bowl level, and I know that they didn't bring him back on his fifth-year option, but they need to do everything humanly possible to make sure this kid doesn't leave Denver. Because if I'm Garrett Bowles, and this this is my fault, it's Slayer's fault, it's every media member's fault that's bagged on him for the 40-plus holding penalties in four years, or God knows however many it is, 25, whatever it is, if they don't, they didn't pick up his option, so he's an unrestricted free agent at, in 12 games. And if he continues to put this kind of tape out, he's going to demand buku, do, buku dollars on the open market. Buku. And they are essentially going to develop another kid for another team in the offensive line. Something they do constantly. Now, it, it took me three years of bad football at the left tackle position to say to get rid of him. It's only taken me... Eight games of positive football, four from last year, maybe five, and then the first four this year to say keep him. Because if he's figured out how to how to fix this in the last eight games he's played, he figured it out. You don't get rid of him once he figured it out. You only get rid of him if he didn't figure it out. And I, I have a feeling the Broncos are gonna play hardball with this and think that they're dealing with Garrett Bowles that was hold that had the holding penalties and wasn't on this upscale. And if they if they don't negotiate with this kid and figure out how to sign him before before he and his agent figure out that how much money's on the table for him out there if he keeps putting great tape out he's gone we'll never see him again and we'll be picking a first round tackle again wondering why the hell we just let the one we developed that took 
four to five years of development, why it took that long and we couldn't retain him. That's a problem. So this is me eating crow. Kaka, re-sign Garrett Bowles right now, or you're not going to have the opportunity to sign him down the road when he says, well, Denver wasn't very fun the first four, three or four years, and I'm going to go try my luck somewhere else as an unrestricted free agent. So if you're not going to bring him back on his, on his fifth-year option, which they obviously didn't, you've, you've got to reward him now that he's gotten – to where you wanted him to be with Munchak and Cooper and his internal desire. So pay this man. Keep him around. Look, do, do I think there's better left tackles? Yeah, I do. But they're all under contract, period. So the, the Broncos need to put a lot of draft capital into their offensive line. You know, if anything, I'm wondering when people are going to turn on Glasgow the way they turned on Bowles, myself included. If he gets another night where he's two to three holding penalties deep and it's taking explosive plays off the board, people are going to turn on him, myself included. It's your job as an offensive lineman not to hold. It's called blocking, not holding. Um, and as an ex-defensive lineman, offensive linemen hold constantly. It's just a matter of who can hold and not get caught. It's an art form. And 61, the, the free agent, the $50 million free agent that we have there, has now taken over the reins on the offensive line of being the guy who can't stop holding anybody. And it's it's getting us beat. So I will say this. I'm very eager to see how this offensive line plays against the Belichick defense and a scheme that is going to be different than what they saw on Sunday and the Sunday before. They're going to come at them with something totally new. And if, if Bowles is still the leader on Sunday and he's kicking ass and doing the kind of job I think he can do, then damn it, this kid needs to get re-signed. So the tune has changed. Now I'm beating the drum to re-sign his ass. Yep. It's getting a little bipolar here on Unchained. Can't help it. There's the rant, baby. Episode 84 is a wrap. Pay Garrett Bowles. Get this man at a contract so you don't have to go draft the first-round tackle and go through three to four years of growing pains again. I like what I see. Hats off to Matt Chatham. The turning point's going to kick a lot of ass today. Make sure you uh, you, you log on to dnvr.com and check it out. Uh, last week numbers were, were incredible, and we thank everybody for – for listening and for watching. Thank you to Allie and Adam for all their hard work. And uh, episode 84 is a wrap. Thanks for listening, folks. And we'll be back next Tuesday to wrap up Broncos and Patriots. Make sure you check out the turning point. <laughs>